Welcome to Balancing Life's Issues and Happy Pride Month, everyone. I'm your host, Kai, and as we look to celebrate the LGBTQ community, themes across the country jump out. Strength and solidarity, rage and resilience, peace, love, revolution. And that is no surprise, as Pride Month comes at a time where there are 491 anti-LGBTQ bills at the state legislative level according to the ACLU, 491. One minute to the distinguished gentlelady from Washington, Representative Jayapal. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today in strong support of the Equality Act. I am the proud mom of a trans kid. I will fight every single day for every trans person, every LGBTQ person, including my kid, to explore and express the fullness of their gender without fear, or risk of being fired, denied housing, or refused service because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. And I chose this clip because it highlights how deeply personal these issues are. Anti-LGBTQ legislation directly affects the nuclear family. And right now, the most polarizing of these conversations concerns the trans community, specifically trans youth. And that's why it has gotten my attention. Bills that attempt to limit the ability to update gender information on IDs and records, such as birth certificates and driver's license, publicly puts this community at risk as they look for jobs, go through TSA, or are pulled over in a traffic stop. Imagine if your ID didn't reflect who you really are, especially how you present. What kind of harassment would you be subjected to? In schools and education, it's limiting what kinds of activities this community can participate in. In public, it's what restroom you can use or what business you can solicit services from. With healthcare, it's about restricting medically necessary treatment, especially for trans youth. Balancing life's issues isn't about taking a stand politically, and in our 30 years, we have spoken to millions of people across the spectrum about how you can strive for a better work-life balance. Because that's what this issue is really about. It's a mental health conversation. If a dear friend or loved one approached you about how they were feeling depressed or were thinking of harming themselves, would your reaction be to call them crazy? Or take away their rights to the medical treatment they needed? Whether it's at home, in your community, or at work, There is someone in your life who has come out as trans, or soon will. This is an issue that affects all of us, and you need to know how to talk about it. And to help me do that, I've invited Nicole Madonna and Hayden Nielsen onto the show. Nicole Madonna is a licensed social worker and clinical therapist with an extensive background in program development, training, and therapy with adults for the past 20 years. She received her master's in social work from Fordham University. Her clinical focus has been in treating complex trauma, including survivors of sexual and interpersonal violence, grief and loss, intersectional identities, and the trauma associated with this. Hayden Nielsen is a trans man and licensed clinical social work associate. He provides outpatient therapy to trans and gender diverse individuals. Hayden received his bachelor's and master's of social work from Appalachian State University. Hayden is also a member of Charlotte Trans Health and their trans provider committee. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good. 
It's not like I'm texting my pregnant wife, hey, please keep it down up there. <laughs> uh, first, Nicole Madonna, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. And you're, I guess I should say associate. I'm not sure what your relationship is. You'll have to tell me, but Hayden Nielsen is also joining us. Yes, it's great to be here. Quickly, just tell me, how do you, how do you guys know each other? So I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Charlotte, and I have part of my business is providing supervision and support for newer therapists who are just getting out of school and required to have a certain amount of supervision hours to get his social work license in the state of North Carolina. So I'm his supervisor in that space. And then how often are you guys like in contact in a given week? Uh, at least once a week, we have a face-to-face session. Um, sometimes it's just checking in. <laughs> To say we had a crazy week. Sure. (laughs) Which is how the podcast started when we weren't recording. Right. And Hayden, how's how's it going kind of getting to that next step in your career? Um, It's going really great. I couldn't ask for a better support system. Um, I'm feeling very confident in, you know, moving forward um, from my LCSWA to my LCSW. um, And I'm, I'm really glad to have Nicole as my supervisor to help me get there. Fantastic. So what I wanted to bring you guys on to the podcast to talk about today is just, you know, where are we at with the conversation um, specifically around trans youth? Because that does seem to be the one that has been politicized. You know, this isn't this isn't a program about politics. This is a program about equity, especially when we look to the workforce or being an employee or an employer, because this is such a deeply personal issue that affects so many people. So, you know, I wanted to throw it over to you, Hayden, first. Just give us a little bit of your background, what your role is in in that community. Yeah, so I myself um, am a trans man. I came out when I was about 18, but I had struggled with gender dysphoria or some discomfort between, you know, my gender and my gender assigned at birth really throughout my whole life. Um, And that was kind of when I came to accept that and really, you know, decide to do something about it. And I can tell you that since coming out, getting the care, the gender affirming care that I need, I cannot express how much it has improved just overall well-being and comfort within myself. So in my work with, you know, youth, I am seeing not only youth, but trans adults as well coming in and really, one, being hurt by the fact that this is something that people feels can be governed and that healthcare is something that some people think could be taken away, but also just a lot of increased experiences of transphobia, discrimination because of this anti-trans rhetoric that's being spread. So some people are being misled into services that are really trying to break down their gender identity and that is really conversion therapy rather than gender affirming therapy. Um, Really a big overarching issue with the, the talk and the legislation that's been going on is that there's been so much, you know, sexualization of the trans community. Now we're relating that to, you know, oh, children, and that's why they shouldn't be able to have access to these things when in reality, gender and sexuality are two different aspects of a person. Yeah. And then you kind of see like words like grooming get thrown out there. 
and you know the fear of someone in drag you know reading books to kids um i think that's kind of the conversation you're you're talking about and if you could help us kind of like break down some of the terms you kind of threw out there right because i think that's where it gets really confusing for a lot of people um it just if you could just start with gender dysphoria because that that was something you experienced so gender dysphoria is a diagnosis that you can give somebody and what that is is a discomfort from incongruence with gender and gender assigned at birth there's gender identity and gender assigned at birth so i identify as male right but i was assigned female at birth so that discomfort that that brought me that's what is described as gender dysphoria Mm, right and that's the mental health conversation right Mm -hmm. Nicole, if you could kind of jump in here just with the mental health piece of this, right? This search for identity for like how I want to feel in my own skin, how I want to be comfortable at school, at my place of work. Can you talk to us about like what what that conversation is like right now? You know, it's been the trans community, the transgender community and non-binary community has gotten so much beautiful visibility, right? People like Laverne Cox and other actors and, 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 you know, people in that kind of level of privilege to expose us to people who may may not have been exposed to before. But with that visibility has come this uprising of fear and distancing and dehumanizing. Um, And so the individuals go through the gender dysphoria internally and not everybody I would think goes to at the same like experience for sure. Everybody's an individual with that. And some folks experience it very young and some folks experience it throughout their life. Even once gender affirming care has been initiated and transition has started. Um, it's not always something that needs to be diagnosed. It's something that, mm-hmm. you know, I think we, we are very quick to put things in boxes and checklists. What we know to be true is once people have kids, youth, adults have a safe space with somebody to talk to about what they experience in their mind and body and how it doesn't feel congruent and how it feels uncomfortable and how they don't feel seen and heard. The other side effects of that get lifted like suicidality, um, thoughts, attempts, and successful um, suicides have happened quite a bit at such a high rate with trans youth in particular. Um, So it's not necessarily something that people need therapy for. I think I want to be clear that identifying as a trans individual in the world doesn't mean that there's something wrong that you need therapy for or something that you have to like fix in therapy. For most folks that come to therapy and correct me if I'm wrong, Hayden, it's really about affirming like this is these feelings are real. I exist. I got to figure it out. What's my journey as a trans identified individual, which not everybody has. Hayden's path or other folks' path or, you know, Laverne Cox's path for that matter. So it really is about helping people kind of put the puzzle pieces together for them to figure out what they're, how they're going to embrace that part of themselves. Yeah, no. And I love that you added that, that it's not something that is an issue. You know, this identity is not the problem. The problem is, you know, the stigma and discrimination and inequity and all of Mm -hmm. that that compiles onto a person with a, you know, with a trans identity. Yeah. Some states, and I know in North Carolina, this is true. Sometimes you, they require you, a surgeon may require you or a doctor who's, who's administering hormones may require an individual, um, no matter the age to go see a therapist, to get a letter 
it pretty much stating using more professional terms, yes, this person is actually trans and please do the, do the things to help them live in their authentic self. And there's pretty much no other, I mean, to get, you know, for a cis hetero woman to have plastic surgery, you don't have to have a mental examination. You don't have to have a letter of support. You can go and do 50 surgeries without anybody calling, you know, raising an alarm and saying you have to go to see a therapist for this. Um, yet the gatekeeping that happens in the trans community, and it's a huge barrier for some folks. I mean, there's a lot of therapists, at least in our community, that will provide that service, that letter and, and initial assessment for free. But it's a real it's a real issue when we're looking at a huge high high homelessness rate, high unemployment rate. You know, where are we getting money for this? How are we accessing this support? So there's a lot of barriers in place for people to even push through the gender dysphoria and just to, to be able to, to find the affirming care. Yeah. And so that gatekeeping point you said, and like the hurdles required, right. in the community, you know, with, with the legislation you're seeing, it, it's, it's things as, as small as your ability to change the information on your ID. So like when you're at TSA, like how you are approached or how you're maybe even harassed, um, when you're pulled over by police, because you don't look like what your ID is saying, right? So it's mm -hmm. it's things as small as that that are just making just the life of someone in that community um, so much harder. Not to mention the the violence. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. The continued violence um, that we see against the community, and just to kind of bring it back, this is such a deeply personal thing for so many people, and it affects members of their family, people in their community, and you know, Hayden, I just kind of wanted to throw it over to you, like, as an immediate family member, you know, what's your role when, you know, someone comes out as trans? To keep it plain and simple is to be as supportive as possible. You might have doubts, you might have worries, and that's normal because this is a adjustment for you too, as a parent, as a sibling, whoever it might be. But this process is about that person. So, you know, trying to cast those judgments aside, wanting what's best for your family member, educating yourself and, you know, meeting them where they're at and asking, what can I do? What, what can we change? And just kind of working with them to be able to, you know, support them through this transition into, you know, their authentic yeah. self. Speaking from personal experience, there's a, a family member of mine who's gone through this experience and I needed to be cut a little slack to kind of get to a place where, I wasn't screwing up the pronouns or wasn't screwing up the name, right? And I appreciated that I, I had that grace, right? To make the mistake. Um, can like, maybe can you just talk to us a little about like, what is that, what's that reaction like, right? When the, the wrong pronoun gets said or something like that. Yeah, so I think, you know, like I was saying, you know, before, this is an adjustment for everybody. So if, you know, we've been using these pronouns since this person was born, there's gonna be, you know, some time that it, you know, we might slip up a few times, but making that effort is what's important. And I think, you know, having some grace is awesome. But also when that happens, you know, trying not to make it about you, right? Like you slipped up, but it's still about mm -hmm. that person, right? So saying, sorry, correcting yourself and moving on rather than making it this whole big thing and I'm trying and this and that just to use Hayden and I as an example, if I messed up 
you know, even though I know, and he knows that I know, but if I mess it up and I make a mistake and, and then I make it about me and how I made the mistake instead of about how it impacted him, he's now has the burden to take care of me in that moment. And it shifts and it recenters the moment on me right. and not on the harm I might've just caused and how I can remedy that and make up for it, which is possible to do. I mean, you can always come back. And because we care about him, because I care about him, and I'm, if I were to make that mistake, it, it, right. I would need to go somewhere else to deal with the mistake that I made and the shame and guilt that I might feel from that, not necessarily with Hayden in that moment. No matter how close you are with somebody, by the way, sometimes that's still not their job to take care of us as um, aspiring allies to that person. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Don't make it about you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, it's still about that person. Um, and, you know, and speaking of that role in the workplace, right? Because maybe it's an employee who's going through this transition, or maybe it's your coworker. Um, speaking directly to those in positions of power in an organization, you know, if, if this has sort of never happened before, so what do you have in place that's affirming? Um, and if there, if the answer is nothing, how can you create space for that? The fir my first suggestion would be to, to bring in somebody from the trans community to consult and pay them to do that, pay them for their time and energy and effort. Because I don't pretend to imagine what it feels like to walk around in that space and be visible in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I could guess maybe what might be needed in a workplace, but I also think that it's important to hear from the community themselves and what they need. Mm -hmm. um, that's my first thought, right? Is how do you create a safer space for folks to come out um, and to be more trustworthy? Um, the other piece is what, go talk to HR and figure out your health insurance. Do your offerings allow people gender affirming care? Mm -hmm. um, because some insurances do not. And some of those insurance companies are tacking it on now, but you may not know it exists. So it's something that you can utilize to, you know, let people know. And that goes for colleagues as well as those with children who might be coming out, right? Because if they cover them under their insurance, so much of this so much of these medical, the medical side of the affirming care treatments are so expensive. Mm -hmm. It's really, it is another one of the barriers to people being able to just be authentic in their bodies. Um, and it's something that you as a leader in your organization can help. And if you do have somebody who has, you know, approached you and said, I'm trans, I'm coming out, I'm going through transition. I want to ask them what they need from you. Right. Yeah. What do you need from me as your supervisor, as your colleague, as your coworker, as your, you know, whomever to help you in the workplace? You know, maybe it's somebody who's worked there for 10 years yeah. and it might be difficult for a lot of people around them to understand and support. Yeah. Um, but we start with them first and foremost. Right. And just making sure that support is, is from the top down. Absolutely. That coming out process could also be a wide spectrum, right? It could be yeah. a very private thing. But it could also be a very public thing. Mm -hmm. um, so your role as the employer is to yeah. to make it about them um, and make sure they feel comfortable enough to say something. Because I think a lot of what we've seen, especially over the last couple few years, is this normalization of the mental health conversation, which is very much happening in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the more that you can show that you are open to the mental health conversation the more it's normalized. And then the more that someone, an employee feels comfortable saying, you know what, I'm not doing too well. Um, I have had these kinds of thoughts and your role as an employer in helping them. And that same conversation happening when it comes to the trans community, talking about it, normalizing it. And yeah. this, this whole idea of confrontation and I don't know, like 
the the big big word that comes out to me is resiliency, Hayden. And I, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to speak to when it when it comes to like that word in, in the trans community and, and the work you do. No, I think, you know, individuals in the trans community are incredibly resilient. Um, there is constant messaging, whether that's, you know, in media, from people around us, from actions of, you know, legislators, that there's something wrong with us and that there's, you know, issues. But I see people every day using that resilience to take steps forward to one, be more comfortable with themselves and, you know, live a healthy, happy, healthy life, but also to stand up and advocate for their community and, you know, make the situation better for those to come. I was going to say, you know, those of us that are aspiring allies can do the same thing um, from wherever you sit, mm -hmm. right? Whether that's as, you know, director of HR and you're on the phone with your insurance companies, making sure that these things exist so that employees can access them without having to go mm -hmm. through you. You know, trying to remove barriers is one of the pieces that allies and aspiring allies um, can do, but also we should be doing. Whenever I'm asked why I, I put myself out there in the space, it's, it's because they're because they're, we're human beings and people deserve safety, security, mm -hmm. internal, external in every space that we occupy. And my privilege of being a cisgender, heterosexual white woman affords me a lot of privilege. I wasn't, I didn't ask for it, but we have it. So how do I use it? I appreciate that. And, you know, there's so much to think about. And, you know, I just really, if we, if we just look at Pride Month and the celebration of the community across the spectrum, I'll ask you first, Hayden, what do you think is one thing current ally or potential ally who were to hear this could do this month? Listen to people in the trans community listen to people when they say that these laws that are you know being proposed and passed are going to increase suicide rates in youth they're going to increase mental health concerns across the the community i think trying to take away the trans piece and just think of healthcare or mental health care like that's necessary educating yourself, listening to those who are experiencing what's going on. I'll throw the same question over to you, Nicole. Something that's just on my heart is also believing, right? We have to, those of us that don't right. exist in that community and hold that space, we have to just believe that this is their experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. and then what do we do about it, right? So educating yourself and becoming very aware is really important and there's a lot of resources out there go to the source right like if you're going to learn about the community and what what actually is impacting them go to one of those places that actually serves the community but really just this is hard work like we have to hold a deep love mm -hmm. for the trans community so that we can help uplift them and support them again thank you so much for the conversation i think it's really important um and you know to what you're saying nicole inform yourself um, and to what, what you said, Hayden, just be empathetic, believe, <laughs> listen, it's a, it's a mental health conversation. So, um, I really appreciate it. And again, thank you to you, Nicole. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to hear the episode. <laughs> of course. And thanks to you, Hayden. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
This has been a production of Balancing Life's Issues with your host, Wendy Wolner, produced by me, Kai Sorensen. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and you'll get brand new episodes as they drop. Got an idea for the show? Leave a comment or email Kai, K-A-I, at balancinglifesissues.com.